might fill our hearts and strengthen us and impassion us so that we might be able to witness to our neighbors to your good news. We pray all of this in your name. Amen. So I made uh, the good decision to work on this sermon two weeks ago before we left for Switzerland. But the real irony is that the sermon today is about mountains. And I don't know how much you know about Switzerland. Uh, but there are some mountains everywhere we go. Uh, there also, we learned in Switzerland, that there are a lot of old, old, old churches. And one of the ways that churches in Europe make money, we've learned, uh, is you pay them money and they let you go into their high, high towers. Uh, the highest one we went in was in Bern, Switzerland, and we learned that uh, it's 344 steps to the top, and we did all of them. And if we had had more time, this sermon would not have been about mountains. It would have been about church towers. But today, the sermon is about mountains because almost everywhere I have lived, there were mountains. Or mountains were in driving distance, um, except Indiana. But no place is perfect. What I have learned living near mountains is that there is this inverse relationship between the difficulty in the hike and the payoff when you get to the top. If you have a really, really hard time going up the mountain, most likely the view from the top is going to be worth it. I remember when I got to college in Flagstaff and we hiked Mount Eldon. It's one of the first hikes I've ever hiked, and it was one of the most difficult. And Mount Eldon is the smallest of the seven Flagstaff peaks. Uh, it did not feel like it when we were hiking up it. But once you got to the top of Mount Eldon, you could see across the sea of Ponderosa Pines that makes up northern Arizona. And you could see all the way to Mount Humphreys, the tallest mountain in Arizona. And it was beautiful. I can remember in college traveling to Guatemala and hiking up a volcano. Like an actual volcano, like with red hot lava. This is actually a picture I took of said volcano. This isn't a stock photo. And when you go to Guatemala, there's no velvet rope keeping you from the lava. The whole way up this mountain, this volcano, the locals followed us with horses and kept asking if we wanted to pay for a ride for the rest of the way up. That is how difficult of a hike it was. And then I'll never forget my first time hiking in the Smoky Mountains of Eastern Tennessee. Sorry, North Carolina. Uh, the trail that we hiked up was exceedingly difficult. Uh, someone told us that this trail up this mountain was created by a father-son duo. And the father wanted to create a hiking trail, so he tied a rope around his son and told him to run to the top of the mountain. And then the father followed the rope with a chainsaw and just cut a path. It was not the most ergonomic path to the top of the mountain. It was a very difficult hike. And then when you got to the top, you could see the view of the wavy mountains stretching as far as the eye could see. 
It was really beautiful. If you've ever been to the Smokies, you know what I'm talking about. And this is the thing. Just because a path is difficult doesn't mean it isn't worth doing. And if you want to witness the greatest beauty the world has to offer, well, sometimes the path is just a little bit rocky. Today we're going to hear a scripture from a passage that is a reminder that our path following God is not always promised to be the easiest path. That sometimes preaching God's truth leads us into dangerous places. Places of derision. And yet what we hear throughout scripture is two things. First, once the truth of God has you, it is difficult to stop following. It lures you. And even when it's difficult, the second truth is that God will always show you through. And that the reward for following will always be greater than we can imagine. And so with that, let's hear our passage from Jeremiah chapter 20. O Lord, you have enticed me, and I was enticed. You have overpowered me, and you have prevailed. I have become a laughingstock all day long. Everyone mocks me. For whenever I speak, I must cry out. I must shout violence and destruction. For the word of the Lord has become for me a reproach and derision all day long. If I say I will not mention him or speak any more in his name, then within me there is something like a burning fire shut up in my bones. I am weary with holding it in, and I cannot. For I hear many whispering, terror is all around, denounce him, let us denounce him. All my close friends are watching for me to stumble. Perhaps he can be enticed and we can prevail against him and take our revenge on him. But the Lord is with me like a dread warrior. Therefore, my persecutors will stumble and they will not prevail. They will be greatly shamed for they will not succeed. Their eternal dishonor will never be forgotten. O Lord of hosts, you test the righteous and you see the heart and the mind. Let me see your retribution upon them. For to you I have committed my cause. Sing to the Lord, praise the Lord, for he has delivered the life of the needy from the hands of the evil doers. Oh my God, bless this reading. Well, scholars believe that this passage from Jeremiah fits the description of a psalm of lament. These psalms were sung to express the dismay of a community or an individual. And these psalms are a reminder that our language to God doesn't have to just be submissive or accepting. We can actually disagree with God, get angry with God. We can express our lament to God. And God can take it. But psalms of lament almost always end the same way. The beginning is this language of dismay, and the end is this reassurance, this trust, this turning to God. 
For Jeremiah, the lament is related to this call he has received from God. God has revealed a truth to the prophet and told the prophet to preach it to the people. And he can't resist it. But that truth is not very well received. Though it is the truth of God, the people hear the prophet speak, and those people announce in the lingua of their day fake news. Jeremiah is derided, hated by some. He is cast out from the community. But he can hear the truth of God. And indeed, that's what a prophet is. A prophet is the one who knows the traditions and the promises of God so well that he can't help but point out the incongruities between those promises and the way the people are living. And so Jeremiah has been led down this difficult path. There is no way to sugarcoat it. Because sometimes the path God lays out before us is not the easiest path. Sometimes it's like walking up a steep mountain. It takes all of our energy, all of our trust, all along the way, all of the belief that God will venture with us to make it to the top. But it's also an irresistible path. When you're, past, when you're captured by the truth of God, you can't not speak. And throughout the Bible, Jeremiah is not even the only prophet who struggles with this. The prophet Elijah in the Old Testament challenges the prophets of Baal in one of the passages. He shows them up, displaying the power of Yahweh over the power of Baal. And the queen, an outsider to Israel, announces that the prophet Elijah must be killed. And so she sends warriors after him. And Elijah runs. Now we can imagine this story would have been a lot easier for Elijah if he had just kept his mouth shut. If he had decided not to choose God's path. But he was caught up in it. So while he is on the run, he gets worn down and he prays that God would end his life. That this difficult path would be taken from him. It is a lament that we hear from Elijah, just like we hear from Jeremiah. And in that moment, God provides because God is on the path with him. Even on a difficult path, God's promises prevail. You know, the author Anne Lamont once wrote that almost everything will work again if you unplug it for a few minutes, including you. And so in the story, God knows this and God unplugs Elijah. God puts the prophet into a deep sleep. And when the prophet wakes up, there's a meal waiting for him. And so Elijah continues the path ahead of him. It is not an easy path, and it does not get easier. But God promises to make the journey with him. There's this temptation in modern Christianity to make everything about an easy faith. 
Scholars refer to this as moral therapeutic deism. The idea that faith is about feeling good and instilling morals in people, and that's it. But real faith isn't always that easy. Following Jesus is not always the safest path. You know, Jesus says that his burden is light and his yoke is easy, but he also calls for us to take up our cross and follow him. Now, this isn't to say that faith has to be hard, that if you're not suffering, you're not doing it right. That's not what this is saying. But sometimes faith does lead us to places that are uncomfortable, places that are off the beaten path. In the Old Testament story of Moses, God calls this man to lead the Hebrew people out of slavery. He is supposed to go confront the Pharaoh and demand that he let the people go. And Moses himself argues with God. Says he's not a very good speaker. Says the thing that I think we all want to say, which is, don't you mean you want to send that other person, not me? But God calls Moses down this difficult path. Even in the New Testament, in the story of the birth of Jesus, we hear Mary sing this song of how she is just a lowly servant. You can almost hear her say, I am nothing to history. And yet she has chosen to challenge the powerful and the rich of her world. Later on in the New Testament church in Acts, a Christian named Ananias is asked by God to go meet with Saul, the persecutor of Christians. Saul, by the way, was on his way to Damascus to kill Christians, including Ananias. And God tells Ananias, the path isn't easy, but I need you to go meet with this person who I have redeemed and transformed. I need you to trust me on this path. The truth of the gospel of Jesus is that it will call us sometimes to challenge those in power. Whether it be the pharaohs of our day, the rich and the powerful, the gospel will cause, call us to confront those who would cause us harm. It will even call us to welcome into the fray those who would have wanted us harmed, but who have been redeemed and transformed. There's an old adage that the gospel calls us to comfort the afflicted and to afflict the comfortable. And that work isn't easy. You know, the, uh, the afflicted are not always the easiest people to work with. People come with their own list of problems. They need something from us, and they don't always return our gift with gratitude. And yet, we're called to love them. And afflicting the comfortable has its own challenges. Calling people out on the way their lives and practices negatively affect others. This is actually the work of Jeremiah. That God's covenant calls on the people to treat the poor and vulnerable with respect and dignity. And turns out the people who are not doing that don't always want to be told that they're not doing that. 
And yet the prophet hears the voice of God, the truth of God. Indeed, the work of faith is not always easy. Once you have heard God's truth, once you've heard a message of acceptance and mercy, of care for the most vulnerable, of challenging the principalities and powers of the world, well, that path is kind of like trudging up a mountain. It's not really easy. But we trek paths that were laid out by folks who followed not the easy way, but the lived faith of the one whose way of life ended in his death, whose solidarity with the poor and challenge for the powers rubbed those in charge the wrong way. You know, if that path of Jesus isn't a difficult uphill path, then I don't really know what is. But the message is the same throughout all of scripture. God may call us up dangerous and difficult paths, but God does not abandon us. God does not leave us. And God's okay if we need to complain about it a little bit. If you read through scripture, you'll hear again and again and again, people who look to God and say, are you kidding me? How can you possibly be calling me to this? And yet God calls us, God walks with us, God journeys with us. And when we reach the top, when we get there, we can see the beauty and the splendor of a world shaped by love and mercy and grace. When we get to the top, the path that God has led us up, we can see just how beautiful it is. Amen. Well, as we gather for worship today, we invite you to connect with us in our community. If you are visiting with us for the first time, I invite you to introduce